Welcome to the Healing Journeys Today podcast. Today we've got an amazing message of hope and healing just for you. God's Word never returns to Him void, so let this message sink deep into your heart so that you can walk out your complete healing journey today. Hey guys, it's just awful what's going on with fear. And let me just tell you right now that I was definitely... A, um, a victim of fear. I was really set up in my in my uh, childhood because we, you know, I had a father that was an alcoholic, drug addict, and uh, we never knew how he was going to come home. We didn't know what he, how he was going to treat anybody. We didn't know if my mom was going to have a knife at her throat again that night, or my sisters or myself was going to be beat. Whatever, like nobody knew, right? We just we just kind of had a way of knowing when we hear his footsteps walking up to the front door and the way he would put the key in the door. That's how we would know. Isn't that crazy? We would know then if, uh, if our father was going to be abusive that night. So fear really just like made an anchor into my heart at a very young age. And oh my gosh, that's why I just have such a passion for people that are hurting and are chronically ill because usually the chronic illness not all, but a lot of the chronic illness is coming from uh, definitely an anchor of fear. Something that got put into somebody a very long time ago and it's and it just, it resurrects, you know? And then it tries to take you out. It tries to debilitate you because really that's what fear does anyway. It debilitates you. It might for that second, you know, that you might be feeling something, a fearful thing and that you might feel debilitated for that moment. But the fear that stays on the inside of your heart lasts a long time. And that's the debilitating one that will literally try to take your life away from you. And I just love what all of the um, other teachers have been saying. Nikki Ochensky-Weller, she, she said something that just like literally, it made me almost want to pull my car over. I'd gone to the grocery store <laughs> to get some stuff for a, a, a memorial, uh, a little barbecue. And she said to, to lock your eyes onto Jesus. I mean, what, do you, what else do you say to that? Lock eyes with Jesus. Lock eyes with Jesus. Man, these are like golden nuggets. Like you can't, you can't, I don't know where else you're getting this because you're getting it in one place and you're getting it like all in one. And man, it is awesome. And then Raquel and Herman, you know, talked about, of course, the love of Jesus. And when Herman had said that, you know, it's like you wake up in the morning, you know, and, and you say, um, you know, good morning, Lord, thank you so much for loving me, right? Well, there were many years, many mornings, many years of mornings waking up and saying, what, did, what are you going to do to me today, Satan? How do you have me today? How do, what, what's going to happen to me today? What horrible thoughts are going to infiltrate my mind that's going to debilitate me today? What's going to keep me in a, in, in a distractive state of mind so I don't get done the things that I have to get done today? And then the things that are leading me to my calling. What is, what, and, and that was a big problem. Are we going to wake up and say, good morning, Jesus. Thank you so much for loving me and I love you so much. Or what's it going to be today, devil? You know, we really have to be careful of that. And I know that sometimes it feels like, it, it almost feels like it's, a, it's like a habit. I hate to say it, but it, it kind of can be a habit. So I, can you break a habit? Of course you can. Yes, you can. You can break it, but with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can totally break a habit. And, but like I said, you know, uh, someone that doesn't sleep, you know, maybe you didn't sleep last night and you're exhausted catches you off guard a little bit. I've had many sleepless nights. Sometimes I don't I don't I'm don't get a whole night's sleep because I'm excited about the things that God's doing in my life. But there were a lot of times when it wasn't out of excitement. It was out of what is my day going to be like tomorrow and how am I going to ever get out of this? And that's something that is really really on my heart to tell you and to talk to you about today. That thing that says, how am I ever going to get out of this? How is this ever going to end? Right? I said that more times than I can even imagine. I know I said that more times than I said, good morning, Jesus. I love you. I said, how is this? I woke up that morning and went, wow, feel the same way. 
You know, one other thing that Mike Hesh said, which I love in his um, in his visual that he did, where he put his two hands out like this, and he says, you know, I'm looking at my left, and uh, my left, whereas God says, don't let your eyes depart from me. But on your right, you're looking right at the enemy. So if I'm looking at my right, who's on my left? God, who says, don't let your eyes depart from me. But I'm over here looking at this. You see, I've turned my head. I've turned my, my, my thoughts. I turned my heart towards the enemy. And so that, like I said, these people that we have on this platform that are speaking, is just, man, it's when we want to look at those symptoms and those lies of the enemy. We take our eyes off of Jesus every time. I mean, I know it because I did it. I'm not, you know, I'm not just saying this based on theory. I know it because I did it. And that was, and it's rough. And it, it shouldn't be, you know? We're just like, and, and think about it, if, if you have your own children, I mean, I do, I have two daughters, and I'm like, the thought of my kids waking up one day feeling sad, anxious, anything, just breaks my heart because those are my babies, right? And I know, I mean, listen, as a parent, I don't care if you're a parent of a dog, though that's your baby. You know, my daughter has this new little Pomeranian, his name is Happy, and he's the cutest thing ever. And so they, the doctor, I told you this a couple weeks ago, the doctor diagnosed him with a dead part of his bone in his leg. Well, I know that it's gone because that dog is not limped again. Praise God. He was limping really bad. And at what, 10 months old, your dog is limping and not using his leg. Something was wrong. But we have spoke, we prayed over it and we have spoken over it. And my daughter, every time she looks at that dog, she says, Oh, happy. I love you so much. And your and your and your it's just femur bone. And your femur bone is alive and well and it's thriving and it's and it's breathing and it's living. And we felt so bad. At a, at, at a little four pound dog. I mean, my God, how do you think you feel about another human? And how do you think your heavenly father is thinking about you? The one that loves you so much and gave his son for you because he loved you. You know, we can't forget that. I don't think I would give my daughter for Hitler. No, I don't. No, as a matter of fact, I know. I don't have to think that. I know it. But Jesus gave his son Jesus, I mean, but God gave his son Jesus for Hitler. Now, obviously he didn't, he didn't accept Christ, uh, but he still did. He gave him his son for the worst person who's created the worst heinous crime possible. You know he's feeling just so bad when we are feeling so bad and that we, and, and we, we, we can't, we feel that we can't get out of this because there's so much for you. You know that there is a place here on this earth and, and a business and a movement and a whatever you want to call it because for you, because that's why God puts you here. You're here to influence other people. You're here to play a huge part in this world system that we all live in. You, you were you were born with a purpose and a plan. And that's not just Julianne saying that. Who says that? Well, it's in the book of Jeremiah, right? That there is a plan and a purpose for you. And I know that that goes around a lot during um, graduation. God has a purpose and a plan. But he really does. He has a purpose and a plan for you, for me. It just took me so long to figure it out. I mean, I did a lot of things. I had a lot of different careers. And I know I fulfilled those. But I know I'm where I'm at today, and this is this is the place. Now, God, if you put me somewhere else after this, I'm game. I'll do whatever you tell me. But I think that this is it because I know that, I mean, again, my own knowledge right now, God may completely change me and put me into some other uh, situation or some other kind of uh, movement or whatever in years to come. But I'm I'm like here, I'm here, I'm present. Just tell me what you want me to do. Because I love the scripture that says it's not my life that I live. Because I have been crucified. I've been crucified in Christ. That's what I have to live every day. Or I'm going to say that I live for Julianne. 
And I can't do that because living for Julianne is limited. It is nothing. It is surface and limited. And I don't like that. I won't, I won't even go there because I know what that's like and it doesn't work for me. You know, Jeremiah talked about running from God because he just didn't know him. And I can see that, you know, I knew him, right? I knew him back before I got sick, but I didn't know him. I knew of him and I thought I knew him, but I didn't know him. And you know, what's interesting is I never really understood what it, what it was that I was doing every day when I would go walk with him. I didn't understand, you know, no one really talked about a, a, a relationship with Jesus. Of course, they talk about God being your heavenly father and Jesus being the son of God who came down and took away your sin and, you know, and, and, and became your, you know, your, all the names of Jesus, right? Your strong tower, your rock, your savior, of course, your king of kings and all this stuff. But I was hung up on all those names, not knowing who the person was that fit those names, you know, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, I mean, all Rapha, all these names. I was like, oh, okay. But I didn't know what they meant. You see, I really, I mean, I always say like this, I don't know. I just didn't have a real big education. I mean, I literally uh, got a courtesy diploma out of high school. It was like, get this girl out of here. She's trouble. And she's not, we're not having her next year. I didn't really listen. I don't know how I graduated. I don't know how I went from 10th grade to 11th into 12th and even out. But obviously God was there. I did, I did a few things obviously to get out. I mean, to graduate, I didn't take a GED. I actually graduated. And that was like the first thing I was like, wow, I actually did that. I had such low self-esteem, probably because of the fact that I was called such horrible names and, you know, by my stepdad. And that was just kind of, the persona that I took on is what he perceived me as because a man in my life, my dad, you know, the, the role of dad meant a lot to me because I didn't know my heavenly father and my real father was a mess. So I didn't really, the only male figure I had was my stepdad. And, you know, there wasn't a day that went by because, you know, very lovingly would call me dummy every day. You know, that was his, that was his loving nickname for me. And so anyway, so yeah, that's why my self-esteem was so low. And so I was not really good in, in school, but so what I loved about when I, when I, when I found Jesus was I didn't have to be smart, um, educational wise. I didn't have to be smart. I didn't have to go to college to have a, have a degree in Jesus. That was something that I could acquire on my own, but I didn't really research a lot. I didn't really find out. I just took whatever the pastor said, because everybody is perfect in church, right? All the pastors and all the congregations perfect. Well, of course they are when you don't know anything else. When you're the biggest sinner and you walk into a church for the first time, everybody's got to be perfect because you're so bad and they're there. So they must be really good. So I just took everything that they said and made it my own. So I learned about God I learned about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus until I started walking with him. And that's why I was referring to Jeremiah because he said he was running from him because he didn't know, he, he knew the word, but he didn't know the relationship part. And that's really important. We have to have that relationship part. So, you know, you might be saying, how do I get that relationship with Jesus? It's just as easy as you saying, Jesus, I, after listening to a lot of the speakers, Julianne right now, I don't think I know you. I think I know about you, but I think it's time that I actually now, I need to get to know you. And that's as, that's as simple as it is. And if you're not saved and you, are, you wanna be saved, right now you say, I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. And that's it. Now you're saved. And then the next thing is, I wanna know you. I want to know you. I want to know everything about you. I want to know why I can say, why I say, but, or what other people say and what the Bible says, that Jesus loves me. I want to know what that song when they used to sing to me as a little kid, Jesus loves me, this I know. 
I want to know what was that song about? Who was that guy that loved me? And why did he love me? Ask him. Ask him. It's very important that you ask. Ask him right now. You know, remember, when you go to with Julianne, we do interactive stuff. We talk. So I want you to say, Jesus, I want to know you like for real, like for real right now, wherever I am. I don't care if I'm in a, well, well, some places are open, but if I'm in a coffee shop or if I'm in my bedroom, I, I need to know you. I need to know you. Not what everybody else says about you. I need to know you for me because everybody's relationship is different. As a matter of fact, what's interesting is that you notice with all of our speakers that everybody has, everybody had a sickness, but everybody got healed differently. I mean, healed by the same Jesus, but the process was different, right? That's interesting, isn't it? So that's why you don't want to go based on just my revelation or Nikki's or Nicole's or Herman and Raquel or Mike's or Jeremiah or Deborah. You want to go because you know for you. Because I'll tell you, you're going to explain this again. <laughs> you're going to explain this again to someone because you're going to have an understanding of that love of Jesus, that relationship, and you're going to tell somebody because it's something that you cannot hide, right? You got to you gotta, you gotta tell it on the mountaintops, right? Or on the rooftops too. There's a song I love by Jesus Culture. It's called Rooftops. And uh, Kim Walker Smith, is, I just get this visual when she says, on the rooftop, I'll proclaim that you are Lord, that I love you. I mean, it's awesome. And that's what I'm talking about, proclaiming it. You know, we also have Nicole Marbach, which, oh my gosh, you know, I'll tell you something. Last week, she talked about being in a psych ward by herself and being stripped down because they don't let you come in with your clothes because you might have a, some kind of a weapon on you, so you would try to kill yourself. Could you even imagine you're in a psych ward? You don't even know what's going to happen. You've been stripped down of everything. I mean, your clothes have been taken off. What do you do? Man, that woman has been through a lot. And just, just her relationship with Jesus. I mean, God, she needed the comforter. I mean, I, that just, I was literally, because she comes on so early in LA, I was laying in bed still. And man, I was like, boy, if the comforter, if the Prince of Peace isn't in there at that moment, you would just want to die. But God... Look what he did. So anyway, fear can make you just do stupid, ridiculous, crazy, just gross things. It'll turn you into someone you don't even know anymore. If you guys have experienced anything like what I'm talking about, let me know. We're going to pray at the end, but I also want your prayer requests because we've got to end the fear. And the fear can come at you in so many different ways. Trust me very subtly, very not subtly, very blatant, like hit you in the face, you know, through, through words, through action, through the news, the media, through best friends, through your kids, through social media. There's a lot of things that can put people into fear. I'll tell you something with all the pandemic stuff going on, social media, and the media itself, meaning the news, is very detrimental to someone that has been dealing with fear. Very detrimental. That's why you got to turn this stuff off. And I mean, I'm not saying like, you know, oh, you, know, you can't know what's going on, but it's affecting you. Trust me, it's affecting you. It is affecting you. And why fear? Think about it. <laughs> why fear? What is the one thing that the enemy has that he can use against us that he knows will debilitate us, that he knows will stop us in our tracks, that he knows will get us into such horrific, sad emotions that we will not fulfill even the tasks on our to-do list, right? He knows exactly, and he knows exactly what scares you. He knows exactly where to go to you. So I say this, 
Am I there yet all the way? No. So just know that. And you're probably not either. But just know this. We really don't have to fear. Okay, let me just uh, kind of give you a definition of the two different fears. Now, you're driving and somebody runs across, you know, or, or cuts you or, or a human runs across. And like, for instance, I was pulling into our driveway here at my office and we have like, we, we have like, a, like trees and like doorways. And I was looking to the left to see a parking space. And there was a guy literally just, he jumped out of his, um, his office and he darted out on the uh, driveway. And I like slammed on my brakes. Now, yes, did fear go up like that to me? Of course it did. Um, I almost hit the guy. But, you know, he was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that to you. He said, I wasn't even looking. And he goes, and, and you were looking where you were going to park. Anyway, that's not the kind of fear I'm talking about. I'm talking about the stuff that literally can make you have to go to the bathroom. I'm going to get real here, right? Where do you think IBS comes from? We think it's coming from food, right? It's not food. Could be food after, but your your nervous system is so taxed all the time and your high alertness is so high that it makes you have to go to the bathroom you know when you get bad news it's like immediately some not everybody but some people have to go to the bathroom right away why because their nervous system just got shocked just got jacked up big time so what do you think it's doing to your whole system it's messing it up. So what if, what if we were to go on a, like an all, I don't know, a war on fear, like an all attack on fear? Because all I hear all the time is, you know, I got attacked with fear. I got attacked from the enemy. I got attacked. I got attacked. I got attacked. And I want you to be careful about talking about being attacked every day. Because guess what? You will be attacked every day. That is for sure. You can take that to the bank. If you're talking about the one who's attacking you every day, he will attack. He will only do what you allow him to do. If you shut that door and say no, guess what? The attacks will become less. But if you keep talking about him, remember we talked about in the beginning, instead of good morning, Jesus, thank you so much for loving me and I love you so much, as opposed to, or the other way of saying, Oh man, what's going to happen today? Devil's going to mess my mess me up. Devil's going to as Andrew says, eat my lunch and pop the bag, right? No. No, we have a choice. We have a choice to make. What if we were to go hour by hour? Okay? If you can't do hour by hour, how about minute by minute? Cuz listen, there are different levels of people are experiencing fear on different levels. That is for sure. And right now with what's going on in our world, just go to the grocery store and you're going to see a lot of people, you know, with ski masks on and, you know, uh, the, the beanies and the mask, you know, and a hazmat suit just going shopping, you know? So there's a lot of fear out there right now. And wouldn't it be just perfect timing for the enemy to instill so much fear in everybody that not just one or two or you know, this group of people or that group of people, but the world can interfere, he wins. He wins every time. So when those thoughts come at you, you've got to take those into captivity. You have to. You don't have a choice. I am begging you because once those seeds are planted, they start harvesting right away. And you don't want that. You don't want that harvest coming up. It is not good. Because you're, uh, it's just, it's so not good. We know that. It causes so many horrible things to happen. It causes cortisol levels, cortisol levels to go up. And you, this is the, the, um, the stuff that goes on in your body, right? The physiological stuff that goes on. It makes that cortisol just skyrocket. And that's the stuff that wreaks havoc in your body, which makes your, your heart palpitate, which makes maybe sometimes, I used to have my heart would hurt. I would have a heartache, not like a heart, not like heartburn, not like, oh, my heart aches for you. Like I would have aching around my heart. 
And that's why I was at the ER more times than you can even imagine. But I had to take 2 Corinthians 10, 4, 5, and 6 literally into my heart and say, I've got to take those thoughts captive. I cannot anymore allow those thoughts to just kind of swirl about. We talked about this before, right? That the bird is just kind of like hovering around your head. And then when it makes a nest on your head is when you're in trouble. Because why? Because it's going to poop all over your head. Yes, I went there with that word, but it's true. And that's what the enemy tries to do to your heart. He tries to make it so it is that it is so fearful that it is that you that some people need heart transplants. Some people need heart surgeries. Some people need heart medication. Some people, and I'm, the list can go on and on and on. And that's what I hate. Please understand me. You know, I know everybody knows that I'm not mad. I'm just passionate, but I really am. I just want to go on record right now. I hate sickness. I hate sickness. I hate disease. I hate conditions. I hate anything that steals someone's life from them. So whatever that means, I hate addictions. I hate oppression. I hate it all. And addictions from anything, any and all. Because they are, they are set out and planted to kill, steal, and destroy people, humans, Christians. We are not out of that mix. The only way we're out of that mix is if we keep our eyes, like Nikki said, locked with Jesus. Locking your eyes with him. So whatever that means, whatever it takes, whatever you are, you whatever takes it down, a conversation, a worship song, a silent moment or time, uh, praying in tongues, whatever does it for you. You need to do it because you need to capture that thought right away and get rid of it. And one thing that I love Mike Hesh said, I think I said it last week, but I'll say it again because it was so good. He said that behind every thought, there's a spirit. And it's so true. That's how you know, that's how you discern who's behind the thought. And which thought am I going to let plant in my heart and which one am I going to say, get out now. That's the one from the devil that you want to say no. So when you can discern the spirit behind it, which is, does it build you up? No. Does it scare the you know what out of you? Yes. Is it condemning? Yes. That's not from God. God does not condemn. I don't care what anybody says. He doesn't punish. He doesn't condemn. So I don't care what your doctrine is. I am telling you the truth. You need to go and search it out on your own. But he never condemns you. And he never, ever punishes you. You know, also too, on Sunday, Herman Raquel talked about when people are, are confused about what the will of God is for, their, for, for them. Because people don't think that healing is the will of God. My gosh. I am not putting you down at all. But if you don't understand that, that will kill you. If you don't understand that that is not true, the will of God is you to be healed. The will of God is for you to have life and life more abundantly. The will of God is for you to be, have an abundant life, a successful life. The will of God is not for you to be um, in a hospital. The will of God is not for you to be in a, in a place, in a condition that you can't even function, that you can't think, that you can't walk, that you can't talk. That is not the will of God. Please, you must know this. That is a big problem because there's people behind pulpits. And I'm not, you know, please don't think I'm trying to, you know, trash your pastor. But if your pastor is not teaching about the will of God being the healing, that the, that healing is, is part of the will of God, get out of that church. Run from that church. If they're not even discussing healing at all, run from that church because they don't believe in it. And I'm, I mean that. Y'all could turn off now if you don't like what I just said. <laughs> but it's true. 
Why would you let a man behind a pulpit who is just a mortal man, a natural human man, try to, try to steal what, what God laid down for us? Why would we? Just because maybe someone didn't get healed in a church that was Mr. or Mrs. Pastor, you know, great person. And there was some great ones that died too soon. But that's not why we stop believing in healing. You don't believe, you don't stop believing in healing because a mortal person died before they wanted to. I believe that you call your own. When I'm done, I'm done. I have a mother that's 81 and she's doing fantastic. And I've, we and her and I talked about this years ago. Mom, you will never die of a sickness and you will never die with a sickness. You will go one day when you close your eyes and you say, girls, I'm out. See you on the other side. But until that day, no one calls your death, but you. That is what, that's when Jesus said, until it's called from above, when I lay my life down, then I go. But until then, I ain't going anywhere. So as he is in this world, so are we. I'm in him, him in me, we in him, the big guy. So that's what I believe. And I, I hope you can believe that too, because it's, it's more life-giving than not believing. But we've gotta, we've gotta be careful because see, fear has struck the church. Fear has struck the church, the church pastors, the elders, the people that work in the church about a lot of things and especially healing. If I walk into a church and they're not talking about healing and they, in some part of their conversation, and I've gone there forever, you know, I'll try them out for a couple of weeks and healing hasn't been talked about at all. Or they say, you know, the dumb thing, that, you know, well, it may not be the will of God for your life. I'm out and I don't leave silently. Let me just say that. I refuse to allow anybody to speak into my heart and tell me lies. So I hope that you can take the same thing, the same stance and say no. Now, since this whole pandemic happened, we're all watching church online mostly. So if you are going in a church or finding one that you know is not talking about healing and it's not the will of God for all to be healed, then please find another one. My daughter is living in Tennessee and when she, she, she was only there for about uh, four weeks when the quarantine hit. So she didn't have a church. I mean, she, was, she had gone to a different church each week just to see where she wanted to plan herself. Well, then the quarantine hit. So she just was going online and my God, the... Oh boy, the teaching she would says, oh my gosh, mom and dad, you do not, you got to hear what this pastor said at this church and you got to hear what this pastor said at that church. You're like, what? And then we're wondering why the body of Christ is so sick. Guys, pastors are awesome and they've been called by God. Not all, I will be honest, not all, but they are not the word of God. They are not God. They are not Jesus and they are not the Holy Spirit. They can hear from the Holy Spirit or they and really have heard or they could say they heard from the Holy Spirit and be completely off. You know, not too many pastors are going to get up there and say, this whole sermon is about my opinion. No, they're going to say, I heard from the Holy Spirit. Just make sure that whatever they say, that you find it in the Bible and you know that what they said is true and it can be backed up with the word. Fear is horrible. So when it gets into a church, when it gets into a home, in a congregation, when it gets into a home, when it gets into a business, nothing good comes out of it. So how do we literally kick it in the face by speaking back the word? So I've given, I've got a few scriptures I want to, I want to uh, share with you guys. For instance, you know, a lot of people are worried. What do you think fear is? Fear is worry about, you know, what's going on with jobs and businesses closing down. And Matthew 6, 26 says, don't worry. This is why I tell you to never be worried about your life. 
Let's just stop there. Never be worried about your life. Why? Because I got you. <laughs> Jesus, I got you. Right? I would say that to my daughters. Guys, when they were babies, hey, girls, worry about your life. You better worry about, you know, I'm holding my babies. You better worry about where you're going to eat tonight. You know, I know you can't even crawl yet, but you better figure out how to get your own food. Isn't that silly? This is, this is God with us. This is why I tell you to never be worried about your life. For all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs, including whatever it needs for healing. God made our bodies so awesome that they can repair themselves. I mean, think about it. You know, it's like you cut yourself within like a day, all of a sudden the skin's growing over, right? It's like, wow, look how this works. It's pretty cool. Um, but I love that. Look at that. This is why I tell you to never be worried about your life. For all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? Look at all the birds. Do you think that they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store up food. Yet your heavenly father provides them with each, I'm sorry, provides them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your father than they? So which of one of you by worrying could add anything to your life? You know, this morning it was really sweet. I was in um, my mom's living room and I just was sitting there waiting for her to get ready. And she's got this little finch. She's about that big named Joseph. She named him after Joseph Prince. And it was the cutest thing ever. Every morning, Joe takes a bath and he gets into the water and he just, you know, flutters his feathers and he takes a bath and he does it again and he does it again and he does it again. And he kept doing it. And I was laughing. It was so cute. But like, he's not worried that that water's not going to be there. He's going to take a bath. And he was having so much fun in the bath. There's no worry to the bird. <laughs> Actually, there is one worry because when I take the vacuum in to clean, <laughs> when I clean my mom's birdcage, I'm sure, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sure the vacuum hose probably scares the you-know-what out of him. But anyway, but there's no fear there. He just chirps and chirps, takes a bath, has the greatest time. Isn't that awesome? What about us? We can just take a bath in the word, right? And just lather ourselves up with the word of God and let the washing of the word just wash away and take all that old junk right out of our memories. Even if something happened five minutes ago and you got, you got bombarded, bombarded with thoughts, horrible thoughts, it's a new minute. It's a new hour. Don't go back to the old and think that that's it. You're doomed. I got to now mess with this for now the next four months. No, let me go on from here. So which one of you by worrying could add anything to your life? Remember Matthew 6, 26. Uh, now we're at 28. And why would you worry about your clothing? Look at all the beautiful flowers of the field. They don't work or toil. And yet not even Solomon in all his splendor was robed in beauty more than one of these. That is so awesome. So if God has clothed the meadow with hay, which is here for such a short time, and then dried up and burned, won't he provide you with clothes you need, even though you live with such little faith? Oh, that's awesome. So then forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For that is what the unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly Father already know the things your bodies require? So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow. And I mean that. Refuse to worry about tomorrow. Refuse to worry about a minute from now. Refuse to worry about your future. But deal with each challenge that comes your way. That's not, no, I don't accept that thought. You're out, you know? 
but deal with each challenge that comes your way and move on one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself because that's what we get so upset about and crazy about is what's going to happen. What's our future? You know, it's like you might be having something wrong, you know, with you and you might be in a couch or a bed or a wheelchair or a walker, you know, and you're like, well, I know where I'm headed. No, you don't. I mean, unless it's to healing, to complete fullness, then you're wrong. You're wrong because I don't care what the doctors say. I know what Jesus said. So don't even go there with that with me. <laughs> oh my God, I just love him. Psalm 23, 4. Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why, you ask? For you are with me. For your rod and staff, they comfort me. Why do you ask? For you are with me. So then when those thoughts come up, or that phone call comes, or that email, or that text, or that Snapchat, some of the older ones are like, what, Snap who? Or whatever, or that thing you saw on social media, whatever it is, if it tries to get a rise out of you, what do we say? I will fear nothing. I will fear no evil because you are with me. I love that. I love that. And that's what's important, right? Man, okay, so here's another one. Isaiah 41, 13. Um, in the, trans, uh, the, the uh, Passion Translation says, I am Yahweh, your mighty God. I grip your right hand and won't let you go. I whisper to you, don't be afraid. I'm here to help you. Isn't that cool? Now the New King James Version is, for I, the Lord your God, will, will hold your right hand, saying to you, well, I got to turn the page, fear not, I will help you. Let me repeat that. This is Isaiah 41, 13. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. I kind of like the other version too. I grip your right hand and I won't let you go. Oh my gosh. Doesn't that, that just feels like, man, you know when you get hugged by someone, they just hug you and you know they love you. There's nothing better than that. Him gripping your hand is like, I got you, girl, guy, whatever you are. I am not letting go of you. That is awesome. Um, Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. Wow. He will rejoice over you with singing. Oh my gosh. This is like a love letter to us right now. And then the other scriptures that I know we all know because we, you know, tend to be in the New Testament a little more than we would the old. But 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. Love is Jesus. Love is the Holy Spirit. There is no fear in what Jesus left us with, which is the Holy Spirit. There's no fear in love, but perfect love. That's Jesus. That's that perfect, perf perfect person, right? Per the perfect love drives out Fear, because fear, what, has to do with punishment. Oh my gosh. Wow. And then another translation, fear has torment. You know what torment's like? It's horrible. The one who fears is not made in perfect love. So think about it. We have got to be made in perfect love. We have got to stay on the side of perfect love. We've got to stay in Christ. You know, I love Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. My God, in him I will trust. I'm not trusting in what just happened. I'm not trusting in that text. I'm not trusting in that email. My God, in him, I'm trusting now. And then 1 Timothy, or excuse me, 2 Timothy 1, 7. 
For God has not given us a spirit of fear. He has not given that to us. He gave us, uh, the, but has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Sound. The mind of Christ. The sound, the, a sound mind. Not a crazy, confused mind that the enemy is trying to do. He tries to confuse you. Because you go through a battle of, of fear and you'll be like, wait, what was my name? Like, uh, child of what? Oh, oh yeah, child of God. That's how crazy it is. And it gets you in a second. You find out that somebody just died or someone, you know, just something just happened. Oh my God. Fear just goes, bam. It's like lightning tries to hit you and it tries to take you down. Well, that's not going to happen to us anymore. We are making a pact now, guys. No fear zone. Remember last week I said, I don't like fear less. I like fear not. So we're going to fear not. This is a no fear zone. And we're going to kick fear in the face and not take it anymore. Not let you, not be a doormat where fear just stomps over every single day. That's not you. You are more than a conqueror. I just, I have that, that here in one of these scriptures that I just love. Um, I hope I have it here. Uh, let's see. Yes, I do. Um, so this is um, Romans 8.31, right? Oh, I'll just read it really quick. I know I'm running out of time. So what does all this mean? If God is determined to stand with us, tell me who then could ever stand against us? Nobody. Love that. For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son, Jesus. I put the Jesus in. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else that he has to give. He would, no way would he do that. Who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his? God himself is the judge who issued his final verdict over them, not guilty. My dog is down here. I just scared him. <laughs> scared her. Like the gallow just went down. Not guilty. Who then is left to condemn us? Ain't nobody. Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one. For he gave his life for us. And even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen, exalted and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he continually is praying for our triumph? Oh my gosh. I should have read this at first. This is like, I'm on fire with this. Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. No one. No one, no thought, no thing, no nothing. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love toward us. No troubles, no pressures, no problems are unable to come. Are, no, I'm sorry. Let me go back. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, and death threats? No, for they all are, impo are, are impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Even though it is written, all day long we face death threats for your sake, God. We are considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered. Yes, but they can't, I'm getting hot, it's getting warm in here, but they can't slaughter us. Yet even in the midst of all these things, we are triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors. And his demonstration and his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. Oh my gosh. I am like, man, are you guys pumped up? I want to hear you. Like, are you pumped up? Because I am. Yet even in the midst of all these things. Okay, sorry, I wrote that. I already read that. So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death. Life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in heavens, and even those horrible thoughts that get into your brain. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. And his love is his, his love on the inside of us, our Jesus 
Nothing can weaken it. There is no power above us or beneath us. No power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. Oh, I'm in love with that scripture. Of course it is. Uh, I think that's the uh, passion translation. I kind of like the passion translation. Why? Because I'm kind of passionate, remember? Anyway, you guys, I love you. And I'm going to pray right now. And we are just, just literally kicking fear in the face and saying, no, no more, nothing, no more, done, finished. We done, 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 done. So Father, I just thank you. Thank you, Father, for Jesus. Thank you, Father, for what you did for us, that you sent down the Savior that took away the sickness, the disease, the conditions, all of it, anything that any of these people that are watching are dealing with, whatever it is, you yell it right now where you're at. Anybody that's watching this, I don't care if it's 20 years from now, say that Jesus, that God sent Jesus to take care of this and yell out that condition now because he loved me. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I destroy any sickness and disease on these people. I literally dismantle any affliction on any of them. And I tell the spirit of, a, of infirmity to get out of their bodies, get out of their, their headspace, get out of their heart, get out now in the name of Jesus. Spirit of infirmity, you are dead to them. You're dead to me, you're dead to them. No more ever will you ever taunt anybody that is listening to this broadcast right now. So I speak health in your body and your immune system to rise up stronger than it ever has before. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead, that power, that fireball that raised Christ from the dead goes in and destroys any sickness or disease in your body right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you. I love you. But most importantly, Jesus loves you more. And so I'm so excited that we got to come together today. You walk in that healing right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, guys. Love you. We hope you got some great nuggets of wisdom out of that teaching. Thank you for listening to the Healing Journeys Today podcast. And don't forget, you can find us live on Facebook and YouTube seven days a week. If you would like to donate, please go to www.healingjourneystoday.com. Isaiah 53.5 says, And by His stripes, we are healed. God bless you.